don't forget that the PCPS is here because of listeners like you. We are a people-powered program fully supported by monetary contributions from our members on Patreon. We quite literally could not do it without you. If you'd like to become a supporter, visit our website or our link in bio and click on the Patreon link. You can join for as little as the price of one Swanson Frozen TV dinner. Just one! But that TV dinner goes a long way in helping us keep the lights on and the bills paid. Every dollar helps this podcast and this community grow, reaching more listeners and creating more episodes. And in return for your support, we'll send you thank you gifts in the form of podcast outtakes, videos of our recording sessions, and invitations to members-only events. Thanks to you, we think we have something pretty special going on, and we are just getting started. Thanks for your time, your support, and all those good vibes. And please enjoy the show. This is John Davidson saying, if you don't listen to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, you are missing something. Now that's incredible. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who would never, ever, ever take an apple when trick-or-treating. There could be a razor blade in there, or it could be injected with poison. Put a razor blade in an apple. It's really hard. And couldn't, wouldn't you be able to see like exactly. the little cut? You can see where they put, and then there's the core. How do you get it past the core? That's just cutting an apple in two. Regardless, it was a horrifying image, and I believed it could have happened. Oh, and I did imagine like people taking a syringe and injecting it with poison, too. And she looked like the, um, the witch in Snow White. Yes. Oh, no, it was a man. Now that you say that, why? Oh, and it was a certain neighbor. Kristen. Oh, I'm going back in time. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. Nobody did that. I just have to reiterate. Nobody did that. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we are chatting with the John Davidson, the legend who can easily be described in one word, incredible. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Our intention was that this episode would be devoted to That's Incredible, our generation's first dose of reality TV. And what better way to get the scoop on That's Incredible but to interview one of its squeaky clean hosts, preferably John Davidson, because he was the face we associated with the show. Mm -hmm. The hair, the dimples, that self-deprecating chuckle. So we threw a Hail Mary pass and we asked him to be our guest on the show. The worst he can do is say no, right? Well, he didn't say no. Mm-mm. Not only did he not say no, but our interview took such a profound and philosophical turn that we were like, screw that's incredible. John <laughs> Davidson needs his own episode. He does. He needs his own season. Actually, John Davidson needs to be our fourth. Maybe this season um, or next season. Maybe oh, he'll wouldn't just that be, be great? <laughs> yes. We need to have him on repeat because I swear, you guys, after this interview, he touched so many parts of our Gen X childhood, whether it was That's Incredible Mm -hmm. or his talk show or um, some of the TV shows he was on. I mean, he, you know, Hollywood Squares, he really um, was a man of many talents. Oh, he was. He was was. was a renaissance man. 
Listeners, he is the nicest guy. He is so personable. He is so fun and funny. Oh my gosh, he is so funny. And gosh, you guys, from the very beginning of our conversation with him, he just put us right at ease with that warmth and that humor. Anyway, thanks for having me on your show. So so how long oh, have you been doing you. this? Oh, yeah. he's interviewing us now. Um, <laughs> well, that's his that's his go-to, that's right? right? That's his that's okay, right. So we great. Learn We're from on him. the John Davidson show, you guys. <laughs> oh my God, wouldn't that be great? And here are my special guests. Yes. Uh, no, so we, are, so uh, we should introduce ourselves first. Sure, I'm yes. Kristen. And Kristen. I'm Michelle. And I'm Michelle. And yes. I'm Carolyn. And we and, are the Pop Culture Preservation yes. Society. But we yeah. are so stupidly giddy about having you on the show today because, I mean, you're like Mr. 1970s TV, right? Your presence on our TVs was so well, constant I mean, in our childhoods. Yes, but there was a lot of other people on TV you could have watched. Uh, but. <laughs> Now I'm an old guy. I sit up late at night. And I order things on on the Amazon in the middle of the night. I got this shirt. I think it's from China or something. Oh my god! And, uh, Look at yeah. you. Yeah, you that's it's, fantastic. Uh, Good you can for see, you. You can see my man boobs are flopping <laughs> here. It's, it's just ridiculous. It just but, is what it is, isn't it? But you're like a Gen X pop culture hero. So we're just no, we really appreciate you. <laughs> yes, no, yes, yes. We know yes, your face yes. so well. And I'm, it is the same face. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the same face that I was in 1981. For this entire interview, which was we expected one thing. And what we got was a guy who gives no shits. Like, I'm mm-hmm. here, people. Yes. This is what I'm doing. Get over it. And another thing is, you guys, John Davidson, one of the things that, you know, even as a child in the 70s that I loved about John Davidson and I I, I feel like gravitated toward is just how personable he was, but how engaging he was. He just seemed yes. like he welcomed you into his whatever he was going to say. Um, and he's still like that. We were entranced yeah. by his stories and just by the things he was talking to us, uh, to us about. He, can we do like, because I totally agree with you. Can we do a quick rundown of how our generation knows John Davidson? Yeah. Of course, that's incredible. We know that. But let's not forget the John Davidson show. He mm-hmm. hosted his own afternoon mm-hmm. talk show, which Grammy was there every afternoon. So when Grammy came to visit, we were watching John Davidson. And oh, was she in love with him. Um, let's not forget the hair. The hair, oh, he, yeah. he was known for this beautiful head of hair, thick and perfectly coiffed. And he still has the head of hair. Mm, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's a full head of hair that is now bright silver. And he runs his hands through it because he doesn't need it to be a helmet anymore. Again, he can present himself however he wants. But he says people have really urged him to continue to dye it. And he's like, I'm 80. (laughs) Nobody has shoe polish hair at 80 years old. Let's not tell a lie, people. How is he not hawking like some hair tonic or some great or whatever shampoo he's always using? You know, he's probably one of those guys who's always been like, oh, I wash it with a bar of ivory. Um, (laughs) Right. Also, you know, some of our um, older Gen Xers or even some of our boomers who listen to our podcast, and all all generations are welcome here, but they might remember John Davidson from some great Disney movies or even from um, a little, um, a too short-lived sitcom, in my opinion, that we'll talk about with him in a little bit, with Sally Mm -hmm. Field called The Girl with Something Extra. He also was a very frequent, I think over, 
I forgot, over a hundred and something times on the Holly, the original Hollywood Squares with Peter Marshall. Um, so funny on that. And then went on to host it in the 80s. So there's mm-hmm, another. Yeah. And uh, also was a fill-in for Johnny Carson yes. like 87 yeah. times. That's or right. He was yeah. the most, um, he did it the most often next to um, Joan Rivers was the most popular wow. guest host for mm-hmm. um, yeah, Johnny Carson. And I think for those exact reasons, he just made people felt comfortable. He was yeah. engaging. Nothing was forced. And we really, as the viewers, appreciated that. He really was the consummate host. And I think that's why we found him in this role so often. He was so gentle and respectful with guests. He was a real connector. Now He connected not only with the guests, but he really connected with the audience because he had this very disarming quality. That was his job, to disarm the guest, disarm the audience, and get them to go on this journey with him. And he did this with a very, aw shucks, I can't believe I just did that kind of vibe. And I wonder if he did that on purpose. I'm sure he did that on purpose as a counterbalance to his extreme handsomeness. Like he needed to be non-threatening to get people to talk to him or to listen to him. And he needed to take the handsome down a notch in order to get people to feel like, oh, we're just like him. Mm -hmm. We're all together. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I think a lot of it was really genuine, too. Like I feel like he definitely knew how to work all of the talents that he had. Well, I think it also, as we speak about how great of a host he was, that made it all the more special when listeners, he complimented us on our hosting skills yes, several did. times during the episode. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were just speechless. He just kept saying how good we were at it. And for us, he's like the <laughs> ultimate. Yeah, exactly. Look at your podcast. Look at your podcast. Yeah. You guys yeah. are true. Yeah. You're so good at this. John Davidson, what are you? Who are, what are you talking about? Who are you talking we about? We were yeah, tongue-tied. We, we're like, what? Yes, tongue-tied. What? What are you saying? Can you imagine oh. us tongue-tied? Huh. I know. <laughs> Do you guys lot. remember when we went to go see the Monkees concert and we were waiting in line and there was a guy behind us that we struck up a conversation with and somehow, I don't know how, don't ask me how, but John Davidson, this is a credit to you. We end up talking about John Davidson with this mm-hmm. rando behind us. Yep. And he says that in his early days as a young adult, he was a ski instructor in Colorado. And he actually taught John Davidson one day. He was a ski instructor for John Davidson. And when it started to snow, John Davidson was like, ah, nuts, we got to stop. He's like, why? It snows in Colorado and we still ski. He's like, ah, the hair. I got to go in. I got to go in. And so we actually asked John Davidson about this. And he was like, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> That's another thing about him. He has the best sense of humor um, and yeah, just he rolled does. with everything that we brought up and threw at him. We want to share a lot of bits of um, this interview with you all. And so we all know John Davidson as the smile, right? Like, megawatt smile. And it was also well known that he was the nicest guy, which like we've all just said, we got to experience firsthand. Well, we asked him a little bit about that. And here is what he had to say. A lot of people are scared to go to their real side. I've been a victim of that at times. When I first started, I, I was very shy as a kid. I had to create a character called John Davidson and give him uh, characteristics and attributes and, 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 uh, and uh, uh, in order that, in other words, I thought I, I, I'm, I'm just a stupid guy. I was going to say asshole, but you probably can't say asshole. <laughs> oh, oh, we say, oh, can oh, say, we say everything. Yeah. yeah. We have an E by our, by our podcast. Yeah. We're so explicit. We say everything. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we're explicit. I, I knew I was an asshole and I didn't, I, I thought who would want to see me? 
I'm just John. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, in my mind, and I still, I, I, I guess I still do this a little bit when I come to stage. I feel that you have to be stage worthy to come mm-hmm. to the stage. And so I chose the characteristics that I wanted to show of John Davidson. Mm-hmm. I, I tried not to show negativity, envy, uh, greed, jealousy, all those petty things that we all have. I chose the positive side in order to create this character. And it worked for me because I had the smile, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, I tend, a lady walked up to me and, and she said, you're somebody, aren't you? Oh, and and I, I said, well, everybody's somebody. This was in a supermarket when I first got up to New Hampshire. She said, uh, you, you're a singer, right? Yes, I am. She, she said, you're John Denver, aren't you? So oh, what? <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, John Denver died, you know. And, and uh, Anyway, yeah. But I think I based a career on smiling. I think, oh. uh, when, well, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Right. Uh, I understand. I think, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you uh, get put, you get uh, put into a box. I, that Washington Post article about you, I thought was great. And I could relate so well at getting labeled. Um, I was labeled the goody two shoes in high school and everything um, very early on the good girl, the nice girl, the, and I so desperately want that I was, I did have morals and I did, you know, I was nice to everybody and I was, you know, uh, true to myself, but I hated that label. And I, I, I could recognize yeah. that you kind of got labeled Limited. early on mm-hmm. too. And it, it might not have always been helpful to you. Well, I, I think though, that I played that for all it was worth. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, well why not? That. Right. Yeah. You took it right to the right. bank. I stood out when I first got to New York in like mid sixties. Because I was friendly and open, and I said hello to people on 42nd Street. I didn't know that they were hookers and, and people, you know, <laughs> hi, hi, how are you? you know, and and uh, I, I, I didn't look like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Right. So I, I was this Midwestern open face thing. I, I must say, uh, Carol Burnett, I think, made it for the same reason. So you have to figure, I think you say you, you, you were pigeonholed as well. I, you've got to figure out when you walk into a room, what is the reaction? How are you perceived? I think we all need to, to figure that out. Some uh-huh. people never, some people never discover that. That's yeah. true. And it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good to know that you can either go with it or play against it, but it's good to know what your effect is in the first five minutes that you walk in. And, and uh, I think that's a good thing to try to figure out as actors. Mm-hmm. So you can figure mm-hmm. out like I've, I've played Curly in Oklahoma and I've played, uh, 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 played. Uh, I played Billy Bigelow in in uh, uh, Carousel. Billy Bigelow is a is a rotten man. He's Al <laughs> Billy Bigelow. You ha- you have to feel that he beats his wife. It's, he's he's a oh, terrible wow. person, and that's why Carousel works because at the end he dies, goes up to heaven, and, and then uh, Saint Peter somebody sends him back to be a good guy and to make some difference in somebody's life. Uh, you, uh, what I'm saying is how you are perceived has to be a part of the way you do your career, not just in theater, but if you're in business, if you're, mm-hmm. you're a CE, CEO of a company, you, you need to know how you're pursued, perceived when you walk through the door. And, and yeah. that's why theater arts is so important. So many of our, of our schools, because of budget, have cut back on theater training in, in K through 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's wrong because 
we all are playing roles, no matter what business we go into. You, you guys are playing the role today of uh, talk show hosts. Right. And you're, you're mm-hmm. not always like this. Now you're a talk show host. Tomorrow you may be the role of a, uh, of a whatever, something else. Mm-hmm. So it's important. That sort of self-discovery, I think, what the whole thing is about. I think this this surprised me. This was the one of the first things where I went, whoa, because it showed such an extreme awareness mm-hmm. that you don't think of when you think of movie stars or people in Hollywood, such an awareness of self and how you affect other people. That is that's something that not everybody has. Right. And it's such a smart thing to have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and he was he like he said, he used his he used his strengths, but he kind of knew what to use and what not to use. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess it was interesting for me to, you know, when he, in the beginning, um, when he was saying, I'm an asshole. And I just <laughs> thought, that would never be a descriptor I would use for no, John no. Davidson. But you kind of, like you said, he, you knew, he knew his strengths and um, he played to them. And I think that's a, a very wise um, actor. Performer. Well, he he knew his strengths. He also knew his flaws. He knew his weaknesses, and he readily admits them. Where again, when you think of the stereotypical person who is either seeking fame or at the top of the food chain in the entertainment industry, I'm not sure that they are super aware of what their flaws are. They're surrounded by people who tell them they're awesome all the time, and I think they start to believe it. Mm-hmm. Whereas he had this real knowledge of what his flaws were, and he had a little melancholy about it, actually. But he, it was just very human. He's yeah. very human. Which I, I think was, is what made him so um, engaging and maybe absolutely. easy to talk to oh, on those so talk much. shows or on yes. That's Incredible. Yes. Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. lovely to to present him with that about um, being kind of the nice guy in Hollywood and not just have him go, oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. He was so honest um, and, yes. uh, in his um, response to that. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so just because he wowed us with poetry and philosophy in this interview doesn't mean that we didn't ask him about That's Incredible. That was a huge show for us. It ran from 1980 to 1984 and featured people with unusual talents, like the guy who was a speed talker or that guy who covered himself with bees, but he never got stung, (laughs) as well as scientific breakthroughs and reenactments of allegedly paranormal events, ghost stories and stuff like that. And at the end of each segment, one of the hosts would proclaim, that's incredible, which was super hard not to say during the interview. <laughs> oh, we that's said incredible. It. We, we said, said it, it so many times. I'm sure it bothered him because he was not really reacting to it, <laughs> but we couldn't stop. So fun fact, before we let you hear John Davidson's um, little spiel about that's incredible, that's Incredible was the originator of the warning at the bottom of your t- TV saying, do not try this at home, because some of the stuff was really dangerous, like the guy who caught a bullet in his teeth. Well, I'm glad there's one celebrity who didn't pay attention to do not try this at home, because I recently learned that um, we have That's Incredible to thank for Ice-T, the rapper and actor, becoming who he was. What? Yes, because he saw the group, the New York City Breakers, for the first time on That's Incredible. It was the first time he had been exposed to hip-hop music, and it changed his life. He could have and was on the track to be this drug dealer gang member, and hearing this music and what it did to him 
It changed the trajectory of his life. That's what That's Incredible did for him. That's is that incredible. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it really is. It really is. It really is incredible. That changed his freaking life. And now he's a household name. Yes, indeed. Thank you, John Davidson. So we did ask John Davidson about his time on That's Incredible. And here's what he had to say. So like Kristen said, you are well known. Uh, just such a well-known face to our generation. And such a huge part of our pop culture in the 1970s and 80s. Like she said, you turn on the television and your smiling face is right there all the time. And admittedly, John Davidson, I had a really big crush on you. I was 12 (laughs) years old um, and I thought you were very handsome and had a big um, inappropriate crush on you. Um, (laughs) But like she said too, we all loved That's Incredible. Um, It's just such a huge memory for all of us in our generation um, because it was just such good family-friendly TV. And really, it was reality TV before reality TV was a thing, we think. Um, Mm -hmm. The stories were so crazy. They were so fun. So we want to know, do you have any favorites, stories, or experiences, memories from that show that you'd like to share with us and our listeners? Well, the the fun of that show for me, uh, Fran Tarkington, it was the other. It was it was John Davidson, Fran Talkington, right. and Kathy Lee, Kathy Lee Crosby, and at the same time, real people was on was Skip Stevenson and uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Purcell. Sarah. Purcell. Purcell. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, uh, so we were the beginning of reality TV, but we were showing people covered with wasps, and and that <laughs> reality TV they were eating eating the wasps to, to survive and yeah, a whole other thing but but back then fran and i had a lot of fun because he is a preacher's kid too i, I i'm a preacher's son i, I and my three mm-hmm. brothers and when preacher's sons get together they try to say as many foul <laughs> four-letter words as possible you know uh, the f-bomb you. and and everything. We just try to gross each other out to prove that we're not goody goody, right? So, mm-hmm. right. so we were doing all that, and Kathy Lee was looking wonderful and was uh, <laughs> uh, appreciating all this. And we were like uh, brothers and, and sisters. And uh, you see, we three came in on the last day after the staff had put together all these incredible stories about people doing incredible things. We we were the talking heads or talking yeah. bodies that came in and took all the credit for putting all this together. We didn't do anything. We showed up on that day. <laughs> oh, funny. We, uh, we had incredible stories. We had Tiger Woods on at the age of five. What? With his, I just with his dad. saw that one. I just oh, watched that clip. Yeah. He was five years old. That's incredible. Got, <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite story I I think was uh the guy named yogi kudu uh this guy it was very very real he had a plexiglass um uh, squ- I uh, this. cube oh uh, I, I was so scared of this story i remember this he got he was a uh, contortionist and uh, he got into a two by two by two two by two by two foot plexiglass box and he stayed in there for the whole show and we closed oh, the box yes. He, he claimed to be slowing his heart down so that he he didn't need a lot of air and his heart went down. His heartbeat went down. We showed that incredible story. But there were also really stupid stories <laughs> that I didn't like. I I want I want I thought we were really on thin ice on that's incredible when we showed uh, ghost stories. You know, mm-hmm. every every intelligent person knows 
that ghosts are human imagination. There is no such thing. And and putting curses on people, you can't put a curse on people. What are we, cavemen? You, you can't put a curse on someone. It's just, come on. I love getting behind the scenes tidbits and scoop on shows. I love it mm-hmm. so, so much. And so this was so great for me to hear him say that like he thought some of the, the stories that they did <laughs> were kind of stupid. And then I love that he goes on to say like, he's like, you know, says something like every intelligent person knows that ghosts are human imagination. There's no such thing. And I was sort of like, oh, I saw <laughs> well, what about me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what about that child that lives in my attic? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, he did make some sweeping statements. Yeah, he yeah. did. And that's fine. Everybody can believe what they want. But at, at any rate, I love that he was just so honest and so forthcoming about like, there are some really great, you know, stories, but some of them, like, like as if now I can imagine Kathy and Fran and um, John Davidson after the show going, all right, guys, that's a wrap. Ah, good episode. And John Davidson going, I thought it was really stupid. That was stupid. <laughs> I thought it was lame. But you know what I love? But loved, you would. Which, of course you would do that. Like yeah, in, sure. in defense of John Davidson, of course you would do that because some of the stories, in all honesty, were really lame. Well, you could, you, I, I imagine you would be like, I am not introducing that one. That goes to Fran Tarkinson. <laughs> exactly. That is bullshit. And I will not put my name on that. I'm not, I cannot give that a that's incredible stamp. Yeah. John Davidson mm-hmm. stamp. That is approval. not incredible. <laughs> that is not incredible. And I loved how he remembered so specifically um, what we all seem to remember from that show. The guy, Isn't you know, putting weird? himself into the plexiglass box. Yes. And he could tell us so many specifics about that event. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, you remember it just like we did. Right? We all knew, like, and I'm pretty sure people in the audience right now are like, oh my God. And then he went to the bottom of the pool in the plexiglass block box. And they're like, oh, he's going to die. He's and he stayed die. in there the whole show. That's what yes. I was so was nervous. Like, <laughs> right. And honestly, if I was going to doubt anything before ghosts and all that other stuff, I kind of doubt this guy in the plexiglass <laughs> box, but I guess it was real. I also really appreciated his comparison of what was reality TV show then and what is reality TV show now. Where Then it was being covered with wasps and not getting stung, which we thought was incredible. Right. And now you have to eat the wasps. It's like you right. just have to yeah. dial it up a notch to get anybody's attention anymore. And I think it's to our detriment. Yes. Well, to people's safety, too. Yeah. Like some of those mm-hmm. naked and whatever. And, you know, they're... Yes. You have to be naked now? Like, you just can't do the hard thing? You have to do the hard thing naked? naked? See, I think the hardest thing would be being naked. Like, on yes, TV. Yeah. To me, that's incredible. <laughs> and here is a 53-year-old woman from rural naked. Minnesota. Naked. <laughs> that's incredible. Speaking of naked, John did share with us a little bit about his centerfold experience for Cosmopolitan. He was a centerfold spread, which goes a little bit against maybe some of these other um, impressions he wanted us to have of him. But Mm -hmm. I think they wanted to try to beef him up a little bit. And um, yeah, so he had a little spread right after Burt Reynolds. Right after Burt Reynolds, yeah. And so we have to share a little bit of that conversation. In 73... I had a manager talk me into doing a centerfold for Cosmopolitan magazine. I was the, I, yes. you know, I wasn't naked. I wasn't no, naked. We've seen, we've seen the photo. Pretty damn we've close. seen the centerfold. No, yes. I, I was wearing a towel. It was, it was a large towel. But no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I was wearing a towel. And it was a bath I was towel, a, ladies. You know, Burt Reynolds was the, you know, he did the first centerfold. And, and neither one of us were naked. It wasn't like Playgirl was doing it. 
So anyway, so I brought this picture of me almost naked back to Hollywood Squares, and I showed it to Paul Lynn. And so uh, Paul Lynn said, well, you look like the ambassador to underdeveloped country. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys, I had a really exciting moment during our interview with him. I couldn't wait for Michelle to get to talk to him about Hollywood Squares, (laughs) because you might remember Hollywood Squares was Michelle's favorite game show. She shared that with us in our game show episode. And I love to watch people get so excited about things. So um, it was really fun when she was able to ask him about the show. And he shared some really interesting behind-the-scenes scoop Mm -hmm. about Hollywood Squares. So listen to what he had to say after Michelle gushed about him and the show. We did an episode last year on or on game shows, and we all each had to pick a favorite. And mine was 100% Hollywood Squares. You were on it over 100 times, right? I think it was like 100 times I, when you were on I, it, the, the original Hollywood Squares. Yeah, with Peter Marshall hosting. Yeah. I sat next to Paul Lynn, Karen Valentine. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved yeah. it. And when you're doing this, like your why and everything... One of the things, one of the reasons I loved that show is for like people like you, when you would just go on and on about the answer and (laughs) after you're like, well, this is kind of silly and ridiculous, but after a while you're going, actually, I think he's kind of onto something. Like, I think he might be right. (laughs) I loved that so much. And then you went on to host it in the eighties. And I was like, oh my God, my worlds are colliding. It was fantastic. I loved that show. Thanks. Thanks for remembering. Thanks. You're right. It's yeah. the same sort of bard-like quality, Michelle. Yeah. Right? Like yes. the just, just, spinning of a yarn with such authority is what that's you're it. doing. You really, your voice well, has such authority and we believe the, you. We believe the you. Truth, the truth is, well, you know, don't, don't trust me. No, I'm not to be trusted. <laughs> no, yeah. Okay, good. Good to know. My, my wife can tell you about that, but that's a whole other story. But, She's uh, on next on, week. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> By uh, on Hollywood Squares, you know they give you they give us jokes. They give jokes to all the uh, enter- yeah. Even, tell even, us about this. Even Paul Lynn. Well, they can't give you the question and they can't give you the answer, but they can um, give you a joke. And so even Paul Lind uh, was given jokes, and it's the way he did it which was so masterful. Wow. If all the jokes were written for you guys, then when Peter Marshall would give that you was the on question, the show. did Got you it. just have? To- did you just have to pull that out of your head? Like, that, you, well, you have a list of all your funny answers, your punchlines, but the, the trick. So it was very, to me, I didn't know what the setup was. And so to do a punchline and instantly get the, oh, that's the setup. Like they said to Paul Lynn, what are two things you should never do in the bedroom? He's never heard that before, but they wrote for him point and giggle. Um, so, but, but, oh. uh, he My had God. never heard the setup before, so that's it. so that's why I went and on and on saying trust me and making up those stories because I thought it was very hard to do a punchline when you when you didn't know the setup. See, yeah, but I, that's the, that that's the beauty of Hollywood Squares. It's nine guests, and you got to like somebody. For me, my my center square was Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. We had Shadow Shadow Stevens and Jim mm-hmm. J. Bullock. Now Tom Bergeron was the third host, and his center square was okay. uh, Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, Peter Marshall's center square was Paul Lynn. So, and, and that was the award winning. Peter Marshall was the classic host. I was trying to do an impression of Peter Marshall, but I don't do impressions well. So nobody knew who I was doing. <laughs> 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 I, I thought I was just really good. 
I loved getting that information from him because actually, you guys, when we when I was doing my research for our game shows episode, I had read that there were writers that wrote all those jokes that they set up, and I kind of thought, I don't know, that's hard to believe. So hearing it straight from John Davidson's um, beautiful smiled mouth um, <laughs> was so was so cool. But also, I was struck by the quick wittedness that you would have, despite the fact that the lines were written for you, they weren't fed to you at the appropriate time. You had to determine when to dole out those lines. So to me, that took like a level of of intelligence that I cannot access. I mean, I don't have that skill. Oh, right. That could fall really flat if they gave you, you know, like the one he, the example he just gave us with the Paul Lind one. Another show I recently discovered that I adore him in is The Girl with Something Extra, which is a show about a couple who meet, they fall in love, they get married, and on his wedding night, he discovers that his new bride has ESP and can read his mind. Of course, (laughs) because it's the 70s. Right. And besides John Davison, one main reason I love this show right now is uh, because his co-star is an adorably captivating Sally Field. And you guys, it sounds like she is as lovely as we hoped and that they had a really fun chemistry on set. And here he is telling us about that. I did a series with Sally Field, the wonderful Sally Field. I had such a crush. Talking about crushes. Oh, yeah. Um, on mm-hmm. Sally Field. That was during the, it was 73, 74, when she was making a transition from being uh, the, fly, the flying nun and, you know, some of the lighter story and uh, uh, Gidget and uh, to, to then, you know, uh, really finding her calling and winning Academy Awards and, and yeah. digging deep, deeper. But it was a great time to be working with Sally Field because I saw, oh, the incredible potential. And, and uh, she and I were really close friends. Um, and I think we both had a crush on each other. And as the oh, series cute. went on, I think we we both lost the crush. So the, the, yeah. the end of the series, oh. <laughs> you know, all these these things come and go. You, well, know? But you, right. you know what? That sh- that series, can I just say, we all let's, recently discovered it. Let's, you, let's tell people what, because we don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's called The Girl Who... The Girl, the girl with, with Something Extra. And you can, yeah. you can yeah. stream it right now on Crackle TV, which we're yeah. all, we've all done. We are obsessed with this show. It is the um, cutest show. It is so cute. The chemistry between you and Sally Field is dynamic. It yeah, pops, right. And now it's great to know because you guys actually had a little crush on each other. Well, you I, I did. I mean, we, 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 we never talked about it, but if we were doing a, a bed scene, you know, in between the scene, in, in between the shooting, then they have about a half an hour of setting the lights for the next scene. <laughs> and so the actors go back to their trailers and you, they wait. No, we'll call you. Finally, they call you half an hour later. Well, Sally and I would just stay in the bed. We would just oh, stay. Cute. In, yeah. And because we talk and talk and talk. We both had uh, new little little kids. We we're both married. But uh, oh. I, she, you know what it is? Sally Field was so open and so real and so, yeah. you know, she, I think that's why she's such a great actor today because she, she, She's real. She is she's just very so, real. She is. She digs into that. Oh my gosh, how cute is that? That they when they were setting the next scene, that they just laid in bed and just they chatted. They just laid in bed. Oh. That is so adorable. Who does that? And I mean, it I just should, makes me want to watch this show all the more. Well, and, and listeners, so I should tell you, this show is so cute. Um, like we said, you can find it on Crackle TV. Sadly, it only ran for one season in 1973, 74. But I mean, it's a little risque. 
I mean, John Davidson and Sally Field actually spend a lot of time in bed in this series. It's a lot of free love. And you know what it made, when you watch these episodes, it made me really remorseful that he wasn't in more TV like this. We saw him as the host and he, as a host, and he was so good at that, but he's really good in this show. Really good. I could have seen him in some rom-coms. I mean, absolutely. He's got that. And he's so nice to look at and... And I so feel earnest. like in the 70s, there mm-hmm. weren't as many rom-com like movies made as right. there are there were certainly in the 80s and 90s. But gosh, he would have been the go-to. You know, like how Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks were the go-tos, right? And Julia Roberts. Yes. And yes. in the mm-hmm. 90s, George Clooney. it would have been John Davidson had they made all those yeah. movies like that. But you guys, it was so um, cool in that section, hearing him just kind of matter-of-factly talking about this crush relationship and working mm-hmm. with Sally Field. And you're thinking... Oh my gosh, Sally Field, you know, how we know her. And my gosh, again, John Davidson worked with some amazing celebrities. I mean, he really, if we just were rattling off names of celebrities we remember from the 70s, we could probably say that he had some kind of contact with them, whether it was acting alongside them or having them on his talk show. But he not only worked with Sally Field, he worked with a myriad of celebrities from the 70s and 80s. Um, he loved name dropping during this episode. People like Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, Tony Orlando, Liza Minnelli, Jack Jones. I mean, he encountered so many of these celebrities, whether it was on variety shows um, or Love Boat. He'd been on the Love Boat, and so had many of these characters. He's worked with just about everyone you can think of from the Mm -hmm. 70s. But I was particularly interested in his experience working and singing with Karen Carpenter. He did several duets with her on television specials and maybe even went on a date with her. Here is what he told us about Karen Carpenter. Well, she's a good example of what we talked about role-playing Oh, um, wow. I, I was very shy as a kid, and Karen Carpenter was embarrassingly shy as a kid. You know, when she started her career with her brother Richard, she started from behind the drums. Right. She wouldn't she wouldn't stand out in front. She sang behind the drums. Um, she was socially awkward. Um, and I was too, but I figured out that you can create a character. If she had figured out, I'm going to create a character called Karen Carpenter, and that will be my uh, armor. That will mm-hmm. be my disguise. You might say it's phony, but it's just using your best qualities. And I'll play that. That's what theater can teach us. Role-playing is okay. Mm-hmm. Doctors mm-hmm. do it. C- CEOs do it. You know, She couldn't figure out how to do that. I... Uh, she just was such a fabulous singer, just knew yes. exactly where to put her voice. Went to Long, uh, Long Beach uh, State in, in, uh, in Long Beach. Um, she, um, I, had, I had one date with her in between my first two marriages. Um, I, actually, I took Karen Carpenter to a, to, to a thing, and uh, it was awkward. Oh. She was, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we kissed goodnight, but I think she was, just being nice. I don't know. <laughs> just uh, it was. Um, she was just. Um, she had such a such a low self image. I, I think yeah. that's how sad. Yeah. How sad. How sad. Yeah. And and um, but such a sweet sweet lady singing. What we did pre records. I did two of her specials. I, right. I was the love in, love interest on two of her specials. <laughs> and um, in the studio. 
hand. She and Richard were, they are meticulous. If you listen to the Carpenters records, they are meticulously yes. uh, accurate. And the, the, the mix, recording mix, and everything is right on pitch. And they, they work extremely hard in the studios. We did two episodes about the Carpenters because we're yeah. such huge fans of, and have yeah. been since, since the seventies of Carpenters music and um, just all the research we were doing broke our hearts really, um, but didn't diminish our love for her in the slightest. If anything, it just made oh. us respect her for everything she went through even more. The, the fact yeah. that she was able to cope with this um, and, and, uh, and, and get out and perform. She finally left mm-hmm. her drums and went out and sang, but right. um, I assume, you know, I've had a lot of therapy and I assume she had some therapy that could have maybe helped her to realize mm-hmm. that, that she's an incredible thing. And she is uh, so unique and had a unique thing to offer. Gee. What an incredibly honest mm-hmm. reply. Really? That right? was deep. Yeah. That was extremely deep. Yeah. Well, and it breaks my heart all over again because it's a lot of what we talked about in our Carpenters episode. And But to hear mm-hmm. a, a firsthand account... You know, uh, everything right. we talk about, of course, we've just read. We've just read about. But this is right. from someone who was there and um, saw it with wow. his own eyes. And he yeah. sounds like he has so much respect for her. Yeah. Right. I know. And that they went on a date. I mean, how sweet is that? He gave her a kiss. I know. But that yeah. he's able to like put her first in that situation right. and realize that that was not a love connection. And there might be a reason for that. Uh, you know, other men with, with lesser, um, with more ego would not be able to answer in that way. You have to be able to put your ego aside to be able to answer that honestly Mm -hmm. about that awkward date. And I really respect him for that. Um, I do too. And I feel like that was a lot of this interview was he was really honest and authentic and shared some things that a guy with an ego wouldn't have been so readily wanting to share. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not simply not able, simply not able. Yeah, that's true. So at the end of our conversation, we asked him about his life now. And this is when things really got interesting. He escaped Hollywood, and he lives in a small New England town above a barn where he gives weekend performances to sold-out crowds. He has so much to say about aging and the work he's done to become the person he is today, which is an 80-year-old guy with a great head of hair who does what he loves and works hard not to give a shit about what he's supposed to be doing at this age. (laughs) And we just started taking notes like crazy because we, too, are aging, and these are words to live by. It was It was like getting the secret recipe. So here he is telling us about this late-in-life chapter of John Davidson. So like you said, our our listeners have to know that you are living out your golden years far, far away from Hollywood, in the anti-Hollywood, really, in this little town of New Hampshire called Sandwich, where you have opened an entertainment venue called (laughs) Club Sandwich, where you can actually go to a John Davidson show in this little town of Sandwich, New Hampshire. And lucky for us, you can also live stream that show. Yes, which it's live stream every and show. I did this yeah, weekend. we watched you it on to, Sunday. It's you go to johndavidson.com and you can live stream this show. That's where you get yeah. your tickets at johndavidson.com. It is such a fun and folksy show. It's really a small town gem. And so, can you tell us number 1, what made you leave Hollywood? Number 2, why sandwich? And three, what made you open this little club in this tiny little town? That's a lot of questions, I realize. Well, I, I was coming back to New England because I grew up in West Bridgewater, Mass, outside okay. of Brockton. 
And I wanted to get back to my roots of New England. But like all uh, uh, New Englanders, uh, I looked up north and here's this incredible state, well, to New Hampshire and, and uh, Maine as well, I love Maine, and Vermont. You know, th- there came a point about uh, oh, f- what, five or eight years ago when when Holly, they, they stopped calling me to do television, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> It wasn't that I was not checking my messages. There was no message there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm getting older. As it happens, yeah. Television is all about youth. You know, it's it's great. They were not calling me. So I figured, well, I love, I, I think when a person gets to be, in the, as you say, those golden years, uh, you might call it the home stretch of life. You know, you see the finish line and you, you're 60, 65 and, and you've been released from your job. You're, 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 you're thinking of reinventing. I hope you're thinking of what am I going to do? Where's my passion? Because without passion, you just want you to just die. My passion is singing with my guitar. Oh, first of all, I found an old farmhouse in Sandwich. And then I realized what, how great the community is. It's a, a sandwich. Uh, New Hampshire people are, are independent, are outspoken. You know, they're ready to, to tell you, say, have a nice day. They say, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a very um, outspoken, great people. I love that. Um, and uh, I've got more friends here than I've ever had in any other house that I've been in. Aww. So I, I found this barn and I made it into, it only holds 44 people. It, it, it is an old barn. Um, you also should know that... Um, I've been married for 38 years to a fantastic lady, and she and I decided to to live separately. Right uh, now, for uh huh, for a while. Oh my goodness, I, I live alone, mm-hmm. and she she's having her adventures. I'll let her tell you about that. Okay, but uh, I'm having my adventure. I I and my adventure is to do club sandwich mm-hmm. in the woods of New Hampshire. But um, I'm now at 80. I'm doing my adventure for 80, and I. I, I'm getting used to doing to living alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a trick. I think I have a whole thing about. I, I think we're all basically alone, even if we're married, and and uh, we need to never forget that and to to uh, keep our own train, even though we uh, share the track with another person for a while. Whatever. That's mm-hmm. a long story. Very philosophical. <laughs> but it's a good no. But story. I get it. I, I think yes. it. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's sort of like don't forget who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really stripping Don't away lose all of the stuff that doesn't matter. It's the ultimate simplicity. You've made these choices to simplify and, and really hone in on the things that give you joy. Why? Because the runway is getting shorter. It, that's oh the reality. Goodness. I do feel an urgency to, you know, there's a uh, Dylan Thomas said, do not go gentle into that good night. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, old age, old age should burn and rave, uh, rage, rage against the dying of the light. You know, I I don't plan on going gentle into that. I, I'm going to go out with a bang, with an explosion. I would like one day just to fall over on stage. And uh, <laughs> uh-huh. I just I I love what I do, and I'm really enjoying being 80. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back. <laughs> I, don't know. I was just about to say, well, this, you just gave us the very end of, we'll yes, edit that to right. be the very end. That was so perfect. But mm-hmm. I think we all, we all really resonate with that. It is. It's very admirable. And I, there were when some I moments- turned, 
go ahead. There were there were some moments in your show that were really quite poignant that speak to this, it, where you acknowledge the passage of time and the things that were now behind us. You sing um, "Yesterday When I Was Young," and you sing Ronnie Millsap's "Lost in the Fifties Tonight." That those were really my favorite moments of the show, and it made me wonder: How do you feel about nostalgia? at this point in your life? Is this something that brings you comfort? Is it something that makes you melancholy? Um, especially when your past is marked by such celebrity and now you've chosen this simplicity. Well, it doesn't feel very simple now because uh, my, uh, every show is sold out. Uh, so I, wow. in other words, yeah, I mean, if you, if you play in a phone booth, you can sell it out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm having the thrill of, oh, how can we fit these people in? Oh, my God, we're sold out. But it's on a small level. I, um, looking back, I tend to be negative. I tend to forget the success that I've had. So when I sing a song like Yesterday When I Was Young, I try to do it in a positive way because some often we look at the negative and I forget. I've had an incredible career. So often I think about the mistakes I've made instead of the good things. So I've sat down at the age of 80. Uh, I, I wrote this just last week, even though I've been 80 for now for six months. <laughs> at, 80, at 80, you can use this or not. You can cut it out. Of sure, sure. Um, at 80, <clears throat> I've decided to demand more of life, not less. Demand more of life. <laughs> I've decided to give myself permission to be in charge of my life. So many of us let other people, other things take charge of. I am the CEO of a thing called John Davidson. I decided to trust my own instincts, to listen to that inner voice. Now, this gets me in trouble, but for the first time in my life, I'm listening to it, and I'll make mistakes, and, and I'll fix it. I've decided silly things like no more kitty litter. Uh, I am not going to do kitty litter ever again in my life. I don't, I don't have a cat. I'm not going to pick up dog poop uh, ever again. I, 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 think, I think it's good to pick up dog poop, but I don't want to live in a place where I have to pick up dog poop. I, I'm, I'm going to trade pets for people. Oh, wow. If I'm lonely, if I want affection, if I want companionship, go find a friend and develop your friendships. Work on your friendships. I've traded pets for people. No more house cleaning. I, I mean, I might vacuum some and my, you know, I live alone, but I'm going to get someone to clean my house. Just like I get someone to cut my hair, someone to do my text. I'm going to stop feeling guilty for getting exercise. When I go out and jog or take a walk or play tennis, I always feel, oh, geez, I should be doing something productive. Stop that. I'm going to downsize. I sold a big house. I'm debt free now. I'm renting the barn where Club Sandwiches, I rent. Wow. At my point in life, you sh I think you should rent. Trendy clothes. My clothes will come back in style every 20 years. <laughs> I don't know about that shirt. that shirt. What about that shirt, <laughs> right. John Davidson? Your now sweater this, paint shirt. This shirt, uh -huh. this shirt was never in style. So. <laughs> I think that was an 80s kind of shirt. I don't know. I know this is long, and you can cut it out. No, it's book. okay. Keep going. I'm, I'm loving it. it. Yeah, yes, okay. I am. Wait, I'm loving it. Here's the last part of it. I want to spend time with interesting people. How many, uh, you, the three of you are so individual and so interesting and so curious and all that. And I, I think you're great together. I want to spend time with people who are open, not closed, full of wonder and awe, 
I want to be, be with people who don't have all the answers. I want to be, be with people who are grateful, grateful for this incredible life. I want to be with people who are curious. I want to be with people who are excitable. I have some friends that I've just dropped in the last couple of years. You couldn't excite them if you put a bomb underneath their butt butts. <laughs> uh, I want to be with excitable people. I, I want to be people who are on a quest for knowledge, new ideas. I want to be with people who are honest about themselves, who don't lie to themselves or to others. I want to be with people who are passionate about something, anything. Yeah, if yeah. you collect uh, uh, old uh, Coke bottles, get passionate about it, okay? I want to be pe with people who don't talk about the weather. Friends should <laughs> never discuss the weather. <laughs> You talk about the weather with someone you meet in an elevator. That, but friends should not waste it. Well, do you think it'll rain today? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Are you kidding? I want to be people who talk about concepts instead of people. Don't talk about people. Talk about ideas and concepts. So, some ideas at eighty. Oh my gosh, John Davidson! I have actual tears no. in my eyes. Yeah. You just don't cry, please! Don't cry. Oh. <laughs> and goosebumps! Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was that's amazing. We all need that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You guys are we need great. that at fifty. We well, need that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Exactly. That, exactly. Thank, thank you so much for appreciating that. have loved 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 if we could have figured out a way to get to sandwich when he uh, was performing this summer maybe mm -hmm. that just has to be at the top of our uh, priority list for it's next summer item. <laughs> yeah it really is because the, the like he said the um the venue is very small um it's very personal and he's very personable with everybody in the audience literally there's people like sitting in um recliners in the front yeah, row right <laughs> i just love how he says um it's a small venue, but hey, he knows he sells it out every week. So he's like, oh, sold out, sold out. Um, it's only 44 people, but it's sold out. He has a great Instagram listeners uh, to follow. But this whole summer and early fall, he just gets so much joy out of doing these shows at Club Sandwich. He will stand around after and take pictures with everybody in the audience. He takes the time to chat with them. There's a merch section where you can buy a That's Incredible jacket. Um <laughs> He takes the time. He doesn't have to do that. No, he right. doesn't. And mm -hmm. he does. Yeah. He's really connecting with people as if he's getting joy from bringing people joy. Yeah. Like we are, right? I right, mean, right. And I think go. at one point, yeah. this probably didn't make it in this episode, but we talked about that. Like, and he recognized that too. Like, mm -hmm. you guys are doing it too. And gosh, coming from him, that was awesome. Can we just talk mm -hmm. about that manifesto, though, for just a minute? How yes, much please. do you guys love that? I know. And I want to make my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My yeah. favorite is he's not going to pick up kitty litter anymore. And then he goes, I mean, I don't have oh, a cat, yes. but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or my favorite was that he's no longer going to hang out with people who aren't curious because that was that. something that I couldn't identify. I was like, she's so I'm not going to. Why? It's not interesting. And now I'm like, that's what it is. If you're mm -hmm. not curious, we have nothing to talk about here. Right. Mm -hmm. And I that's when you get stuck in small talk. Yeah, and that can be exhausting, even though it's supposedly it's small talk. It's it can take a lot out of mm -hmm. you. And mm -hmm. I've felt that manifesto was such a gift because 
we can start doing some of those things now oh, in our so you know fifties. Right. Um, Thank you, John Davidson. Yes, I I think he should publish it actually, but or people can yeah. just listen to him tell us on here. Well, he yeah, um, it was awesome. Also, the um, I'm not going to talk to pe- friends about the weather anymore. Yeah, like yeah, why? Right? I don't. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Oh, it's cloudy why? today. Um, it is what it is. Yeah, we love that so much, and um. I think if we can swing it, um, we're going to share the video portion of that part of the interview over on our Patreon page. So um, go over there and check to see which levels that is shared out. But also, listeners, there was so much more great stuff from this conversation, and we just don't have time to include it all here. Like, for instance, John um, shared a song, an original song that he performs every night at Club Sandwich that is so clever, and it's almost like reading a short crime novel, isn't it kind of? <laughs> you're like on the edge of your seat the whole time. And it's amazing. Oh, that was a poem. That was a poem. Oh, it was a poem. Okay. Yes. And he there name drops Andrew right. Gibb. Yes. I feel like that was a song. In my mind, it was mm-hmm. a song. But um, yes, that was the poem. But he also um, also shares a song. Oh, the song is The Great Questions of Life that he yes. um, has come up with at age 80. I'm just going to share one or two of those with you now. Like, why do men have nipples? How come? <laughs> how come Tarzan has no beard? No beard. <laughs> and there is a whole list of these really, really wonderful things that you're like, oh yeah. Anyway, they are fantastic. But just because we have run out of time here, we're going to put all of that on our Patreon page for all levels of our patrons to enjoy. And this is just one example of the fun perks you get by being a PCPS patron. So make sure to go check that out this week on our Patreon page. I mean, who knew John Davidson was a poet? I'm That could have been the number one thing that made me go, wait, what? What? <laughs> right. He's uh-huh. a man of many talents, like we yes. said, a true Renaissance man. Absolutely. And, and a delight. Uh, just a, oh, just a, a delight. Yeah. And something that we could do to help him out. So we follow him on Twitter. And the powers that be at Twitter will not put the little blue check next to his name. And sh- and John fills out the paperwork, sends it in all the time. And within like 20 minutes, he gets the, you do not meet the requirements of blue checkable. So people go on, follow him if you're on Twitter. Maybe send a little message to the powers that be at Twitter and say, John Davidson needs a blue check next he to his does. name. That think would of- make him so, so happy. Think of all the non-incredible people, the non-incredible people out there (laughs) who have a blue check by their name. He, if anyone, is verified. Right. He's a verified individual. Yeah. Amen. Well, suffice it to say, we learned a lot today. We learned so much about John Davidson, this face we knew so well, who was all over our TV screens for our entire childhoods. But we also learned a lot about ourselves and how we should be thinking about our futures. And if you had told me when I was 12 years old that I would be taking aging advice from the guy on That's Incredible, I would have been like, what? What? But that's just one of the things that makes this chapter of our lives so amazing. A big thank you to our superstar guest, John Davidson, and to you, our listeners. May you all take the time to think about what you want at this stage of your life, just like John Davidson did. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll see you next time. And you guys, you'll always find the fun little extras from these episodes in our weekly reader, which is delivered straight to your inbox each Friday morning. Plus, there's all kinds of other fun stuff that we find interesting. And we find a lot of cool stuff, you guys. 
It's only about a two-minute read, and I promise you, you will enjoy every minute of that two minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I promise. But it's I true. Every, yes. every okay. two it's true. minutes. It is true. And we hope you're following along on all of our social media pages where we post daily Gen X memories. And we have so much fun engaging with all of you. Really, that's so fun for us. Links to all our social media uh, are in these show notes, or you can just search Pop Culture Preservation Society on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, yes, TikTok, uh, Twitter, etc. And if you enjoy our conversations, let others know and let us know as well by clicking those five stars and leaving a review where you listen. We read them all. We really do. We Sometimes we read them over and over again, like just for our bedtime reading. <laughs> we just like scroll through our reviews. Um, we would like to give a special thank you to our supporters on Patreon who are the gas in this machine. Who is the gas in this machine? Who are the gas? Whatever. You know Who what I mean? Who are the gas? Yes, whatever. <laughs> but um, they're the gas in this machine. We can't <laughs> tell you how much. Honestly, though, we appreciate you all. This week, we are giving a shout out to our newest patrons, Emily Mendel. Is it Mendel or Mendel? So I apologize. It's one of those, I think. Kelly, Christy, and Julie. Thanks so much, For you guys. our gas. Thanks for yes, being, our, being gas. our gas. Thanks for filling our tank. <laughs> you know what? You guys are supra. You guys are supra unlucky. Yeah, yeah, you're that mm-hmm. extra. That we'll you got to put in like the, the German car. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast. Courtesy of the gang at the Regal Beagle, Jack, Janet, and Chrissy. Two good times. Two happy days. Two little house on the prairie. Cheers. Cheers. That's incredible. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Love and it will keep moving on.